Welcome back to Ravens Recap. We're still a bit hyped from that game. Big win against Kansas City Chiefs, but as Jimmy Smith famously said a few seasons ago after the Ravens beat the Patriots, you got to keep that momentum going and, and beat the next opponent. And even if it's a game that is not going to have as big of intrigue, and I think we can say that that is the case as the Ravens travel to Detroit, a team that has been searching for an identity for a long time and are even more ambiguous than in years past as we're looking over this roster and a bunch of names that we are not terribly well acclimated with. But it's still a great spot here for the Ravens to prove that they can win a big game and still take care of business the next week. So what are our early thoughts going into this game? Well, this is the first week the Ravens are in a primetime game, so uh, the whole nation will be watching, so to speak. The Ravens play this game. In fact, you know, they always had that that map of, like, who can watch each game. I imagine this game has almost no blast radius. <laughs> like, it's not going to be in any uh, areas that are, like, needing a random game. It's probably going to be just the direct markets uh, that they normally serve. But, uh, you know, it's a one o'clock game. This is like your lunch pail game, so to speak. You got to like, just make sure you take care of business. Everyone thinks that the Ravens should win this game. I haven't looked at the lines yet. I'll pull it up in a second. Like, you know, I imagine it's going to be a huge, huge spread. Lots, huge favorites going in uh, for the Ravens. But as we've seen the first two weeks, even though the Lions haven't won a game yet, they've had this like, come back slash stay with it attitude that has been a little bit of a pesterance for their opponents. So I think it's a team not worth uh, sleeping on. For sure. Uh, new head coach, uh, Dan Campbell, came over from, I think, the Saints. Uh, he's a tight ends coach, I believe, over there. Um, he's really, I think, been a key piece for the Lions, I think, in trying to really establish a, a good team culture. I think overall, like things have at least from what I've seen, things I think seem to look good. I think Lions fans in general are pretty happy with this pick. <laughs> the, the pick for the head coach, not like a, <laughs> a draft pick. But uh, yeah, so I think he's kind of a big you know piece in that, Alec, of, of just you know putting the right coaches and the right players in place to kind of, you know, even though they may not be, you know, contributing to wins, they're, they're trying to go through this rebuild, trying to rebuild that culture and you know, maybe not this year, but, you know, maybe in the next few years or something after a few more drafts under their belt, they may be able to have a, a pretty solid team, one that they haven't had in, in, uh, in a, a bit in Detroit, I think. So it's it's funny, actually, you know, the, the other thing you should probably talk about, um, getting into the quarterback a little bit, um, one of the really big things that really caused all that to happen was that trade when they sent uh, Matt Stafford over to the LA Rams. Um, and then had Jared Goff in return because they got that and they got two first round picks. So, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's really going to help kind of establish um, their uh, franchise for the next couple of years. Yeah, it was an interesting trade by the Rams, who we've learned over these past couple seasons uh, really don't view first round picks in high regard at all, um, aside from trade bait, <laughs> as we saw what they did with Jalen Ramsey and now with trading away Goff. Um, Interesting move. I think it'll be interesting to see when, as the season progresses if Stafford is really that much of an improvement for them over Goff, who I I didn't think was the problem with that offense, but that was just me. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, Goff was 
viewed by a lot of analysts at during his time and with the Rams as a product of the McVay system. So I think he has to prove him that in here in Detroit that he can play at the NFL level without having to have a scripted offense for him. Um, and it, through the first two games of the season for Detroit, I don't know if he's really proved that yet. I mean, his numbers look don't look that bad when you just look at them on paper for what he has right now. 69% completion percentage, 584 yards, 5-2 to two touchdown ratio, only averaging 6.3 per attempt, though. That's low. And as we, you know, we've been saying, a lot of his production in week one was in garbage time once the game was pretty much won by San Francisco and did well in the first half against Green Bay on Monday Night Football, but second half was not able to keep pace with Packers at all so it'll be interesting to see what the what the Ravens have to do against golf is if the short passing uh high percentage throws will wear down this thinned out defense or if they'll be able to get enough pressure to force him into turnovers which is um something that he can get uh baited into yeah I think that's one of the the big key matchups um we had listed here that they spent their six overall pick picking up uh, Sewell, who was a right tackle in college, but one of the most heralded prospects since Orlando Pace. He's now a left tackle in this league. He's starting off well. And, um, you know, it's actually kind of funny that we're running into him because a lot of people thought that the Bengals should pick him uh, instead of Jamar Chase. But obviously they went with the, uh, you know, the skill player, star power instead of uh, kind of a foundational piece, so to speak, with uh, the left tackle protecting the blind side of Burrow. So I'm curious to see how he performs, particularly, you know, you can easily extrapolate, oh, our, our first round sensation, Owe going against him. Um, you know, how might that fare? Yeah, I do think that's, you know, in general, a pretty interesting pick. You know, I think that kind of shows kind of back to what I was saying about, you know, having the right staff in place to change the culture. I mean, look, I mean, the Lions were back, you know, back even like a couple of years ago, right? I mean, they picked like Matt Stafford, they picked Calvin Johnson, they picked uh, Ndamukong Sue, like all these pieces, um, you know, high, like with those high, high draft picks. And, you know, they were foundational pieces, but I'd say, you know, especially for those guys, they were kind of like the flashy picks, you know, um, something that they may have not needed at that point. But, you know, having all these different players available, they could have gone for somebody like Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase, like somebody flashy that they could have needed, especially with Kenny Galladay going over to the Giants. Um, but they decided, you know what, actually, no, we're going to pick this foundational left tackle piece. Um, we're going to trade for this other quarterback. We're going to have these other picks in place. And so, yeah, they can start, like, they don't have to compete right now, but like, that's fine. They really, they're, you know, putting these pieces in place and hopefully, you know, improving their roster over time. So, which I think is good, right? I mean, it's like, you know, if you had to compare them to a team in the AFC North, like they're kind of like the Browns, how they were for a long time, right? Which is kind of bottom feeder teams that would flame out because they wouldn't do anything with their high picks, right? They would just end up, you know, flipping out of the league within a couple of years, all like Johnny Manziel or somebody. With all these drafts, they finally started to hit things and now the Browns are pretty good. Maybe the Lions are on the same trajectory. Yeah, I think it's still going to be a bumpy road for them, but like you said, they definitely have some pieces in place. One of them they drafted last year, DeAndre Swift, uh, had some flashes his rookie year. Um, injuries kind of hampered him from being any bigger. Um, off to a decent start this year, and they also brought in 
Jamal Williams, longtime uh, change of pace running back for the Green Bay Packers. Both of them off to decent starts and should be a good matchup with the Ravens front seven. Yeah, the Ravens run defense has been really solid uh, these last two weeks. No one's really been able to run on us. Um, I think they're looking to continue that. Uh, like you said, they, these these players do have enough talent to give trouble to a team. I think, again, just like the discipline we saw against the Chiefs, very disciplined game plan to make sure that the lanes were you know, all covered properly and don't make anything too easy for them. I think that's just the kind of football that's worth playing. Um, and we'll have to just continue that against the Lions. Yeah, I think the key for me and, and I guess the clarification here, we're recording fairly early on in the week, so um, we'll have to see whether Harbs gives any uh, injury information. Uh, spoiler, I don't think he probably will, um, but <laughs> we'll probably hear more information closer to the game of whether uh, guys like Brandon Williams is going to come back, whether Derek Wolf's going to come back. Project Washington was also out this past game as well. So we're a little banged up on the D-line, so I, I, I do think that's going to have a little bit of an impact depending on who suits up. Hopefully between guys like, you know, Calais Campbell. At this point, I think Calais is, is definitely a lot, at least to me, kind of seems a lot, a little bit more effective in kind of the run game in terms of uh, pass rush. You know, obviously, like, he, he has some uh, impact, but, um, you know, I, I don't think, we you know, we're definitely not going to see a game like he had last year against the Eagles where he just was blowing by guys left and right. I just, I, I, don't, I don't know if I don't kind of count him out like that, that man. Come on. I just, I don't, like, I don't see a three sack game from him like, like that. You know, he's just not, I don't know. I haven't seen that Bold much prediction. disruption. From he gets him. a three sack. <laughs> <laughs> but AK, we're talking about the run game. So I'm saying he's a good piece for the run game. As long as he's healthy, I feel good about it. But we'll see about the guys around him. I think when you look at the receiving core on this team, our secondary depth is probably not going to be tested as much. They're number one right now, and I know he's been having some injury issues, is uh, Tyrell Williams. You might remember him from his days in Oakland. Um, you know, San Diego. <laughs> I thought he was in Oakland too, right? Yeah, it was. In, well, I mean, he was San Diego first, then Oakland for, I don't know, a year or two, maybe two years or something. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. He's uh, been around. I remembered him from San Diego. That's why I yeah. brought it up. So. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, okay, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> he's not what you would call a number one receiver, right? Uh, a lot of people are very high on um, their draft pick, Amon Ra St. Brown. Um, maybe he'll be able to be kind of grow into that role, but I think at this point he's also not someone that the Ravens are going to be losing sleep over. And the real like threat in the passing game, the joke is uh, their tight end is their wide receiver one. Kind of similar, I guess, maybe to uh, the Raiders, who um, have Waller as their top target but uh i think here it's almost even more dramatic because at least the raiders also had competent players like rugs and uh edwards and renfro like these are guys that have done at least something before whereas like i guess like you really have tyra williams who's like had some success in the league and just a bunch of unproven guys otherwise uh, you don't remember Khalif Raymond who fell down and uh peters had that uh game clinching interception against the titans in the playoffs last year that was Khalif Raymond. <laughs> Easy oh, to forget, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's an interesting group. Yeah, I, I think the Ravens are definitely you know favored in terms of matchups here. Um, even with all the corner depth, uh, you know, issues that we've had, as long as those guys stay healthy, I think the Ravens have the upper hand. Um, 
when it comes to the receivers. Now, in terms of Hawkinson, yeah, I think the Ravens are going to have you know a little bit of trouble with him. We're going to have to see what we're, uh, they're going to do, especially if Deshaun Elliott can't play. Uh, we know he, he was out uh, for the second half of the game against the Chiefs with a concussion. I can't remember. Was that confirmed, or was he just in protocol? Do you guys know? Oh, he was out with a concussion, so I think like... I think it was confirmed by that point. It was confirmed at that point. Okay. Yeah. So we'll definitely have to see if he's going to play. Um, I think, you know, he would definitely be one of those pieces to kind of help uh, shadow Hawkinson. But yeah, if he's not, I guess next man up in terms of Geno Stone, he had a number of snaps uh, against the Chiefs, I believe. Could be Stone. Could, we could finally see Jimmy Smith come back. I don't know if, if it's been confirmed yet if he's, uh, he's going to be out for this game. Yeah, I mean, Hawkinson really is the guy on the when the Lions are back to pass that the Ravens are going to have to keep an eye on. The receiving core, um, yeah, I mean, you look at this and it reminds you of the caliber of receivers the Ravens had to throw out. If you guys remember that 2017 game against Minnesota when, gosh, they're throwing, Flacco was throwing passes to guys like Griff Whalen. It, yeah, it's really abysmal from my my perspective at the same time you know they we talked about the running backs that what the lions have done is they've gotten swift and williams involved in the passing game early here uh both of them uh swift and williams are second and fourth on the team respectively as far as uh targets are concerned um so that'll be something that the ravens will have to keep an eye on uh as it Lions aren't going to the receivers, which seems highly possible, uh, to make sure that they're not getting burned with passes out to the flat to the RBs. Yeah, this game will definitely be interesting for the Ravens in that I think the safeties and the the linebackers are probably going to be tested a lot more than the corners. Kind of makes me think back to the previous episode where Jason brought up, uh, you know, what do we do with you know? Can we move Tyus Bowser to inside linebacker for some of these obvious passing situations, right? Can you get him on? Hawkinson, or do you want to put him on a running back or something, cover him out in the flat, um, or do they want to, you know, maybe use this as an opportunity to kind of like get Harrison on a few more of those snaps and, and like obvious, like okay, the ball is going to come to you, like let's see how you do, kind of thing, for Queen as well. Yeah, and I think it's going to be interesting if, uh, let's say, Elliot is out for this game. We saw obviously Stevens jump in and kind of play that role. Uh, you also mentioned how Stone played. Uh, it was kind of unclear after Stevens kind of gave up a big play there um, and had some poor tackling if uh, he got benched or if it was just a you know no, a natural rotation. I know we've given him a lot of opportunity. You know he played forty nine percent of the snaps against the Chiefs and he actually had a pretty decent snap count against the Raiders as well to see how much he contributes this next game. I think he'll be involved because I think even though he had those bad plays against him, the coaches even still kind of talked him up in the post-game conferences. So I think overall they like what they saw. So from a defensive perspective, one of the names that immediately jumped out on their depth chart was Michael Brockers. You might remember him for his uh, brief affair with the Ravens, where the Ravens signed him, but then there was concerns about his medicals, so he got like unsigned, so to speak, uh, and it never became confirmed. He went to play with the Rams for one more year. But now he's on the Lions. If you also recall, that was what led to us getting Wolf instead, which I think a lot of people are quite fond of. And um, we'll see if he's healthy enough to play this game. So kind of interesting to see Michael Brockers 
lining up now against the Ravens. What I believe will be the first time, because, yeah, we didn't play the Rams last year. Um, it'll be the first time that he's played us since that whole ordeal. Right, yeah. The last time we played the Rams would have been uh, that 2019 game that I'm sure a lot of fans remember. Yeah, a few other names that also stand out, at least to me, uh, from the Matt Patricia era of the Lions. Uh, guys from uh, used to be played for the Patriots, guys like Trey Flowers, uh, Jamie Collins Sr., you know, are also kind of at those linebacker spots. Alex Anzalone also uh, came over, not from the Patriots, but came over from the Saints, I imagine, to follow Dan Campbell. Yeah, so, it, uh, I mean, they've got some guys here who can play, um, for sure. Uh, I'm less familiar with their secondary. I remember Trey Flowers, that was the name that rung a bell. I went and looked up, you know, his stats. You know, he was like one of those guys that gets like seven sacks a year. He was a little banged up last year, so he didn't quite have that production. So he's he's a guy who definitely keep an eye on, particularly if um, Stanley's still out and you have uh, McCary or um, Villanueva, uh, you know, at these these spots. Like maybe he'll be able to generate a pass rush against us. And um, they drafted highly uh, Levi. I'm not going to even try to butcher his last name. Um, starts with a no, <laughs> but uh, he's a defensive end in this scheme. Uh, he played defensive tackle in college. You know, pretty highly drafted uh, early in the second round. So, you know, he could be a part of this uh, rotation and, and slow down the Ravens running game. Yeah. Um, Flowers is interesting. I th- briefly read an, an article by a Lions beat writer who said that Lions fan base are uh, waiting for this guy to, to justify the, the contract that he has with the team since he signed from New England. Uh, they're wet. They're wanting him to uh, step up and be a bigger part of the defense. Um, so we'll see if that happens on Sunday. The, the, the defense here, I think what you have here is you got a mix of, of veteran guys who've been around the league, but maybe their best days are behind them with uh, these young guys who are still trying to find their way in the league. So not really many guys in their prime, which may be what's the cause of, of their defensive struggles um, in weeks one and two, which was also a point uh, on in many articles <laughs> I looked over of just uh, n- uh, not much hope that this defense is going to be able to hold offenses uh, back this year. So that's good news for the Ravens. Uh, it looks like there should be a lot of opportunity for them to try some different things. Um, we were talking last episode about how the offense is really just kind of going through in these first two weeks through Hollywood, Mandrews, and and Watkins. If the Ravens are able to get an early lead in this game, which is a high possibility, um, this could be a game where we see them try and, you know, have some drives maybe later in the game or, or maybe even earlier um, if they think they they can catch the Lions off guard with it, where they try and, and feature James Prochet, Devin Duvernay, and, and Josh Oliver a bit more and, and take advantage of what should be some mismatches. Uh but I think we all have to remember the caveat that we did expect the Oakland game in week one to, to be a game where the Ravens would have no trouble at all. And uh, some, some young players on that defense that we weren't expecting to play as well as they did uh, gave the Ravens some fits. So uh, there is that to keep in mind for the Ravens as they approach this game. They might play this more aggressively than they generally would with, that, uh, with what happened in Vegas in mind. Yeah, uh, th- that is an interesting take, though. Um, I do think the you know one thing that kind of plays to that is that the Lions have had a, a good amount of of corners that they've lost. So um, Jeff Okuda, who I believe was drafted nine overall, I think last year, 
Um, he's out for the season. Looks like there's also um, Melifonlu, I guess, is how I pronounce yeah. his name. Hopefully I didn't butcher it too badly. Um, looks like he's on, I guess, IR for f- at least a few weeks. Um, seems like he was kind of the, the guy to step up when Okuda was um, lost for the season. So, yeah, it's uh, it sounds like to me the Lions kind of have uh, similar uh, issues in their defensive backfield that the Ravens have, but with the fortunate thing of the Ravens having a lot more depth at corner. So yeah, if, you know, depending on how many guys that they have uh, to go out there and what they look like, um, the Lions might have trouble uh, just defending the Ravens' receivers. So yeah, there could definitely be some good uh, matchups I think for the Ravens to take advantage of. Yeah, I'll see and hear Melifonu suffered an injury in the game last night, recording on Tuesday specifically. So they, uh, you know, again on a short week playing on a night, he's gonna be out for a couple weeks as as denoted by the IR designation as well um, with that with that strain. Yeah, I think for me, one of the things I'm looking for with the Ravens is to figure out, you know, do they get Latavius Murray? Do they get uh, Devontae Freeman? They get them a little bit more involved in this game. Um, do we see the, you know, another thing too? Do we see the first game from Le'Veon Bell? Is he ever going to take snaps as a Raven? <laughs> um, you know, it certainly seems at this point that pretty much anybody, you know, you plug into that offense is going to uh, produce a little bit. And so now that you have a few weeks of them at practice, um, you know, are, are, is Greg Roman going to find any new roles for them or, you know, kind of uh, spell some of the snaps from uh, a guy like Tyson Williams a little bit more or, or are they going to lean a little bit more on Tyson, kind of feature him as the, as the main back? Chris, are you trying to audition now for the Ravens? You want to get it back there in the backfield? <laughs> no. <laughs> no way. I'm not. No. Not quite anybody. Huh? <laughs> not. He knows he wouldn't get a second contract. <laughs> hey you know what i only need one contract to probably be set for life so that's good but i don't have the body type to play running back <laughs> i just messed with you man no i think uh we were talking about it a little bit before we started recording this is definitely an interesting game for the ravens where they might be able to um try and develop some of these younger pieces or these less frequently uh featured pieces so you could see it being more of a devonta freeman game or more of a murray game just to get them more acclimated with the offense because you don't think of yourselves probably needing the level of firepower that you normally do um for this lions game you know they're not as high quality of a team as the last two teams you just played and same can be said for the pass catchers you know i've been shouting like you know get get prochet more involved get Duvernay involved, you know, uh, Tylen Wallace, get them involved. Maybe this is a game where they can get some extra snaps. Just see what you have a little bit, you know, and and after that big win, obviously I'm not trying to, like, you know, play a preseason game, quote-unquote, against these guys and only play backups, but I think it's worth trying to bring other people into the game plan that you traditionally might not give as many, let's see what happens, snaps, too. Yeah, definitely. I that is my hope for how this game goes. Um, I think it would be great early on in the season to get these guys some more targets, some more work in the offense. Um, and, you know, it would hopefully play dividends down the road, but they got to make sure for that to happen, the Ravens got to be on point with the game and make sure that they don't have a letdown after the huge win. Yeah, um, just to jump back a little bit, because um, I guess we started out with uh, the Detroit offense, but uh, one key matchup for me, uh, I think the Ravens fans should uh, pay attention to in particular, is really to see how uh, Odafe Owe and Justin Houston are able to um, you know, produce against this line. 
So I'd say, you know, if, if OA is going to be lined up against Sewell, I want to see that matchup. I want to see how OA performs. Um, if this guy is as good as advertised, I want to see how OA stacks up against him. You know, obviously, you know, he's still a rookie. Uh, he's made some impact plays in the first two games. Like, don't, you know, don't uh, expect him to, you know, have the same level of impact. But if he does against this caliber player, I think that's a very good sign. Yeah, I think it's worth pointing out, like, Ilzodafe's, uh game, you know, the the shine and talk about last episode. So I didn't want to be too much a Debbie Downer. But we did see a couple times where, like, he gets, like, almost completely blown up, right? Like, we saw it in the Raiders game against Jacobs. Like, Jacobs just completely blew him up when he was a free runner and, and stopped him in his tracks. And a very similar thing happened in the Kansas City game on one play where he got, like, you know, thrown on his back. So, I mean, there's obviously improvement to be had from those plays but you can't deny his splash ability you can't deny the fact that he's been extremely productive on most plays and winning a lot of plays so i'm not trying to like poo-poo the guy but like there are plays that he loses there are plays that he loses like kind of badly so to speak hasn't been in a spot where the ravens like fail because of it uh but you know you can see it in the all 22 so it's, it's those kind of things that maybe he cleans up and improves yeah, no, I think so. I mean, again, it just comes back down to the level of competition, right? If he's going to be lining up against this guy, how does he stack up against him? Are we going to see him kind of exactly what you said, like kind of go back and those bad plays start to show up a lot more? So that shows us something. Or does he, you know, start to clean some of those up and he actually looks a little bit better on some? He has a, a few, you know, um, fewer of those uh, bad plays. It would be tough to kind of expect him to have that same level of impact, you know, force interception, you know, force fumbles or something like that. <laughs> but if he looks good for most of the game, if the the coaching staff still wants to have him on, on a high snap count and he still looks good for the most part, I think that's uh, definitely a good sign for him and his development. Very interesting. I know we talked, I forget if we were on air or not with uh, Jason, we talked about uh, the some of the limitations of PFF, but PFF does currently have Odafe Owe as the third highest graded Raven on the season, 80.4 grade. I thought he was also the third highest rookie defender as well behind um, yeah. some corner safety from Miami, and I don't remember the name, and then uh, Micah Parsons from the Cowboys. I think he's also from Penn State. Holy crap. I got to call my uh, a college friend that I went, or a uh, college <laughs> high school friend that went to Penn State. I got to call him and thank him for, uh, for for OA and figure out how in the world they had Parsons and OA and like all these other players on, on this team. Apparently, from what I've read, like they've got even more players that are going to come out. So if the Ravens are in the market for more uh, <laughs> defensive players from Penn State, but they better uh, look out the next two drafts hey i mean the ravens are already you know they've already uh the professional home for alabama and oklahoma <laughs> might as well add penn state there too <laughs> man it's just so funny i i just i'm having flashbacks of when away was drafted and um you kind of could get his demeanor right away i remember listening to that that interview and he was like you know people were like oh you know you never got a sack last year and like what do you have to say about that? And he's like, man, just, just watch the film. Like, look at what I actually did on the field and you'll see that I made plenty of impact plays and like, yeah, I didn't get a sack, but like, whatever. Like he kind of seemed ticked off about the question. Obviously like you just got drafted and you're, you always hate to hear these, like, what do you, what do you say to the naysayers about you kind of right then on your, 
awesome uh, moment in your life. But uh, you guys, uh, that same demeanor came through with uh, this interview last game after the Chiefs. You know, they were asking him, like, what were you trying to do there? He's like, well, you see, I saw he's kind of holding the ball like a loaf of bread. So I, I, I tried to get my arm out there best I could to punch it out, and then I did. That was cool. So then I, I extended as much as I could to try to scoop up the ball. <laughs> and he was just like, very matter of fact, like, you know, it's my job. <laughs> like, my, my job is to make plays. Like, I do what I'm supposed to do. And like, I like that, like, mantra, so to speak. Um, we didn't say it last episode, but the whole, like, don't flinch thing, I love that. That's a great thing. I think that should be on a t shirt. I'm wearing right now a Nobody Cares Work Hard t shirt. I want a don't flinch t shirt by the end of the year. Cause I think that's a great mantra of like, do your job trust the process don't flinch like and i feel like i've always been doing that like just very solid in his assignments and the good things come if you don't know this weekend is the saint demetrius greek orthodox church festival you can experience greek heritage and maybe even more importantly the delicious greek food this september 24th through 26th Um, on friday they're open for dinner so 5 to 10 p.m saturday it's open from 12 p.m to 11 p.m and sunday it's open from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. So get your lunch or early dinner. And uh, there'll be some live music on Saturday night. Always Greek music as well. And I'll be uh, making the souvlakia this year. I have my own marinade. So it's like all like a homemade recipe. I was there last night doing it. That's why this episode's getting recorded a day later. <laughs> so I appreciate the guy's uh, flexibility. And we also made um, some homemade tzatziki this year, which is really uh really quite good so i i highly recommend uh if you come you know maybe try out the slovakia or the get a yidl and you get the tzatziki with that as well or of course any of the other things the lamb shank's really good highly recommend it it's one of my favorite weekends of the year not just as a person who goes but like uh to volunteer but also as a uh you know like when i've gone just to go it'll be a great time parking's free i just feel free to drive up to 2504 cup hill road in parkville maryland for a good time and uh lots of fun hope to see you there all right so now it's time for our uh classic part of the show bold predictions and score predictions does anyone want to go first i can go first because i think my bold prediction we kind of already talked a bit about this what we think can happen with the offense i'm going to say that of the group of james prochet devin duvernay and josh oliver some combination of those players is going to score two receiving touchdowns. Do you want to add Tyler Wallace to that? I'll give it to you for free. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I just think he's another one of those players I want to see. Yeah, uh, ex- exactly. Yeah, you he, know, he I will it probably. In there. Yeah, this is a cool game. You know, it's the third game this season. We have those beginning of the year IR people, uh, so it's like the last game they won't be playing in. So it's like one of the last opportunities for some of these younger players or more fringe players to get opportunities to show themselves. So I think it's kind of interesting that we're making these kind of predictions like, oh, maybe they'll use some of these more of these players because they're going to have to make some decisions soon. Um, they can't just keep these players on the active roster. I mean, maybe they demote them to the practice squad, but you know what I mean? Like it's like, yeah. uh, it's more of a thing this week. It's almost like, uh, no, I wouldn't call it a preseason game. That's, I don't want to be, uh, um, disrespectful to the lions here but it is a game where we need to make some decisions because we have a lot of players coming back from ir yeah definitely all right i got a bold prediction for you guys i'm gonna go ahead and say that we have two interceptions this game is that bold enough against golf with the current state of our secondary i think i think that's good it's only only one interception on the season so far for the ravens right yeah that's uh no two did they pick off car 
Yeah, yeah they remember the, the, the you oh, hooked right, up the, of the, course, the mathematics yes. of uh, yes, Elliot's helmet. Deshaun Elliott's helmet, yes. <laughs> so we're going to double our uh, interception total for the season and get to four with at least two interceptions this game. Nice, okay. Um, I do really like this matchup. I do think the... I think the I think the passing options with the receiving touchdowns, Peter, the bull prediction you had, I think it's really interesting. I would really like it to be true. I feel like, though, in the back of my mind, every time, like maybe I got burned last week, right? Every time I think there's a great opportunity for the Ravens to expand the pass game, they don't do it. They just lean harder into the run game, and then they, they might have a little bit more success in the pass, but that's not because they wanted to pass more. It's because they wanted to run the ball more, and they just did it more and more and more. So I'm going to go with a rushing bull prediction here, and I'm going to say that they uh, have the more rushing yards than they've had, not in the past two games, but like a, a game high. They're going to set their game high this week. Good God. <laughs> That's a lot of rushing yards, dude. They had, what, 250-some, 260-some last game? Yeah, go for 300. I'm not going to say 300. I'm just going to say <laughs> that they beat last week. Rushing yard game record for this season. <laughs> Oh, wow. So far. Right. With uh, that bow prediction, Chris, what's your score prediction? I'm going to go like um, 31-23 Ravens. Okay. So with that bold prediction, Chris is anticipating us going the over. Uh, the game's line right now is 49.5 points scored. And the Ravens, I think I mentioned earlier, are a nine-point favorite. So uh, what's that implied total? Uh, implied total of like 31 points for us, I believe. All right. I didn't know that, but I'm right on the line then. <laughs> Man. Well, I also am going to go with the implied total for the Ravens offense at 31. I had that number before Chris said his. Going to get only give the Lions 12, though. I think one last thing we didn't get to with this uh, prediction is that the Ravens have a proud defense, and the, it's the first time in Ravens history where they've given up over 30 points in uh, the both of the first two games, so... I think that the defense is going to be um, hunting to prove that they're, you know, they still got it, even with the injuries. So I could see a, a big game from the defense. Yeah. Um, I want to point out that my, my math, my quick math there was bad uh, with the implied total 31. <laughs> I believe I believe it's more like 29. But nevertheless, like, that's roughly the, the ballpark for the implied total for the Ravens. I'm going to actually go ahead and say this game's going to shoot the under. Um, I think pretty aggressively. I think the Ravens like score. <sighs> now I'm saying it. I'm like, man, they're going to score 30 points on this guys. I just like, I feel like there's not going to be a need to run up the score and they're just going to try to get out of there injury free. Uh, so long sustained drives. Let's say I'll just stick to it. I'll say like 27 to six Ravens. Well, we're all unanimous, so we're going to pick the Ravens this week. Hopefully, it uh, it goes in our favor this time, unlike week one. Yeah, usually we're right. <laughs> Partially because <laughs> yeah. of uh, the Ravens winning more than they lose uh, and just like having that confidence in the team. I think what we've learned early on, maybe one of the biggest takeaways, honestly, of uh, the first two weeks of the season is that the Raiders are much more interesting than people gave them credit for. I think it's like legitimately maybe top five storyline of like, teams that have impressed the most in their uh debut so to speak and um yeah like that was a harder game they had a lot of things going for them we had a lot of things not going for us 
uh, I, I honestly think like this sounds kind of crazy, but I, I really do believe it to be true. If we play them week two, uh, we win it. I think we just need another week to kind of solidify some stuff. And um, I think one of the interesting thing for the Ravens is that despite their, their very high like floor right now, I think they have a even higher ceiling despite the uh, injuries um, that can be achieved. Whereas I think the, the ceiling, so to speak for the Raiders is not quite as high. So I think the Ravens have a lot to look forward to in this season to continue to improve and become um, a de facto force in the AFC and, and the league as a whole. That's going to be it for this episode of Ravens recap. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear your score predictions. Feel free to tweet at us, Ravens underscore recap, or email us feedback at ravensrecap.com. Really appreciate all the uh, engagement lately. Keep it up. Go Ravens. Let's see a big win on a very mundane one o'clock Sunday game. <laughs>